Welcome to the Horse Talk Show. You never heard of a talking horse? With your host, Louisa Barton. I want to be a famous rider. I should like to race. Presented by Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. Truth is, I help horses with people problems. Now here's the Brit on the bit, Louisa Barton! Yeah, baby! The Larson family has been farming hay in Idaho for generations with a mission to always provide high-quality hay products at a fair and reasonable price. Larson Hay loves to meet new customers while always honoring the ones they already have. Find Larson Hay on the web at larsonhay.com, like them on Facebook, and definitely visit one of their locations. Larson Hay, Idaho's finest alfalfa, and our television broadcast sponsor. I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show here at the Gypsy Gold Farm Tour in Ocala, Marion County, Florida, the horse capital of the world, with two of my favorite people. I don't visit them often enough, nearly. Here with Dennis Thompson and his wife, Erin Mahoney Thompson. And we're going to talk a little bit now about what kind of experience you're going to have when you come on this tour that I think everybody should take. So Dennis, tell us a little bit about um, what people get to see and learn about. The first 45 minutes is um, a talk about uh, actually my background and then and then uh, the discovery and the process of uh, the genetics that made up the gypsy vanner horse the process of naming a breed um, oh golly it takes and, and the process of uh, the the trials and tribulations of being in the horse industry, <laughs> you know, of making a living with horses. Uh, that in 2006 and seven, we were making, we were producing 50 babies a year. Um, in 2007, we did 1.7 million dollars here with a $700,000 profit. In 2008, we had a million dollar overhead and zero business. So nothing when the economy hit, and so we needed to save ourselves. And and I'm I'm uh, oh a problem solver basically. That's what innovation is really is solving problems. And and uh, so one day my veterinarian said to me I I implanted a mule in Puerto Rico and she made the greatest equine mother I've ever experienced. He said it brought tears to my eyes watching her take care of her baby. And I thought mule moms. I'll build a world around mules having babies. So we went out and bought 20 mules and got 15 of them pregnant. And just so you know, mules can't get pregnant. <laughs> yeah, so that's in itself is pretty amazing. Uh, created a children's book, an animated movie, and a coloring book. And we started sending our mules to zoos because a million people go to each zoo. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the zoo had the responsibility of taking care of the mule and the baby. We assumed the 15 babies would sell with a million people going to each zoo, so that's 15 million people. And uh, 15 million people would go to the gift shop and buy one or all three of those things, and, and we'd survive. And it didn't work. 
and it's my mother's fault. Because she taught me when I was a little boy that mules couldn't have babies. And I assumed that everybody else knew that. And they don't. So they went to the zoo and they saw the mule with the baby and wondered where the tiger was. Because they just didn't know what they were looking at. So the opportunity was education. The shock value of it uh, had, it just, you know, was inappropriate. So anyway, then we turned to tourism. And... Uh, so we became, I don't remember how long it took, but we became the number one thing to do for TripAdvisor in Ocala. We're number three in Central Florida of visitor favorites, and uh, Harry Potter's number one. We're number 10 in the ranking, and Walt Disney's number six. That's crazy. That's not too shabby. Not too shabby, <laughs> but that's... That's uh, with no advertising. That's all word of mouth. So we were giving tours to about 800 people a month. And then the COVID hit. And here we go again. <laughs> so we've got we've to reinvent ourselves again. And so we're creating a, a new area in the farm where people will feel totally comfortable and kind of redesigning what we do and, and uh, renewing you know, the experience. Um, in a socially acceptable way, you know. So uh, that's that's the next venture. Yeah. So share with us some some of the animals here. Well, the horse that started everything is this guy right here. His name is Kushtibak. His name was the log, like I mentioned earlier, and and he would become Kushtibak. He's the first Gypsy Vanner horse dying in North America, Easter Sunday, 1997. The second stein's name was Bill, and uh, not very exciting, but Bill was Bruno, Mars, and Elvis, but not for sale. Uh, first two years of Bill's breeding career, the gypsies started calling him the king because of the babies he produced. Matter of fact, his first baby was Dolly, the first gypsy vanner horse in America, uh, the first baby ever produced, period. And then he became the sire of the first gypsy vanner horse born in America, who is Coochie. March 18th, 1999. But anyway, uh, we didn't think we'd be able to buy Bill. Um, and uh, 60 days before this breed was introduced, we were out of money, but we had enough to fly back to England. They say the horse industry makes millionaires out of multi-millionaires. Anyway, if you start with a million, you're, you, you don't have any more money. So we fly back to England with the sole purpose of sharing everything we're about to expose with gypsies. And, and uh, we read them every detail of the breed standard, the history of their breed, the genetics, the vision for their breed, and so on. And we asked them to choose the name of their breed between Romany horse and gypsy vanner horse. And we got a call in our motel room. It was Bill's owner. And uh, Bill had become so popular that this guy's name was uh, Tom Draper, Tommy Draper. And Tommy was getting up 2 o'clock in the morning to go check on Bill because he worried about getting him nicked, stolen. And uh, so he had a bad, Tommy had a bad back and it was, it was killing him to get up in the middle of the night. He said, I'd rather see him in America than just gone. So, so he, just, he said, I decided to sell him to you. I don't have any money. But we did a motel room dance and got a loan from a bank and Bill, Bill becomes ours. And he gets here Easter Sunday, 1998, and we name him the Gypsy King. And he becomes the most famous Gypsy Vanner horse maybe that will ever live. 
Uh, he's the world's first briar, collectible briar model. He's the sire of the world's second collectible briar model. He's a model in Vogue magazine with the Vogue model of the year. He's a model in Cavallino magazine for Ferraris, rearing behind a $4.5 million Ferrari. And he's trained in the art of dressage by an 87-time United States Dressage Federation champion, gold medalist, and Olympic contender for 2008 in China, Pam Fowler-Grace. Pam called me on the way to the World Equestrian Games in Kentucky, and she said he's one of the most extraordinary horses of any breed I've ever ridden in my life. And uh, so a big statement from somebody with those credentials, you know. So he was really a special horse. And I, I, I think I'll roll right into telling you a little story. Uh, Lynn Palm, the winningest equestrian in history, uh, rugged lark fame, did the first uh, bridalist routine, famous trainer. And she didn't know me from Adam 25 years ago. And I called her and I asked her to come see me. And I said, I had a horse you've never seen before. And I said, stand here. And I brought the Gypsy King around the corner. And of course, she was all, you know, eyes the size of Sussers. And I sent Bill, or I always called him Bill, uh, to her for 18 months. She trained him to enter arenas on his own without her. She was sitting on a circus tub in a gypsy outfit, and he was trained to run up behind her and touch her on the back. He wanted to tell her something, and she stood up from the circus tub and put her arms out and wanted to know what he wanted. And he was trained to touch her on the stomach a couple times, and he's trying to talk to her. And then he was trained to get on his knees. He wanted to dance. So she climbed on his back, and a gypsy song called Dance With Me played, and they did a dressage routine. Nice. Incredible. Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know. It was awesome. Awesome. So there's been some really, truly moving experiences uh, over the last 25 years. That's just one of them. So. so when you take the tour here, you get the yeah. history, the, yeah. the exciting history. Yeah. Uh, uh, you and Cindy's adventures in England. And then you get a walking tour to meet That's some of these incredible horses. You get a, a vision for the future of Gypsy Gold. Um, and, we, and then we take a walking tour and you get to meet uh, really almost every horse here is an ancestor of um, the original 16 horses. Matter of fact, you get to meet three of the original 16 horses. I've got three mares here who are 25 years old, number seven, number 14, and number 16 uh, registered in the world. And uh, so Hold that thought. This is incredible information from one of the most exciting places, and you heard that. Uh, number one here in Ocala, and number three uh, after. Yeah, yeah, uh, Harry Potter's number one. Incredible. Yeah. We'll be back with more uh, with Dennis and Aaron here at the Gypsy Gold Farm Tour. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show.
This show is brought to you in part by DAC Vitamins and Minerals of Florida. All horses need a solid immune system, excellent joint support, a healthy gut, and DAC has all the vitamins and minerals they need with the NASC stamp of approval. So like them on Facebook now or go to FeedDAC.com. DAC, it makes a world of difference. Are you ready to get loco? At Loco Graphics, every dollar matters to provide your ideas brought to life. Loco Graphics strives to get your message across and impact your customers, offering logo design, vehicle wraps, business cards, banners and more. Make your business shine and showcase who you are with nothing but the highest quality materials. The difference is in the details. Impact your potential customers with Loco Graphics. Like them on Facebook now and find them on the web at locographics.com. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show here at Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital in Ocala, Marion County, Florida, the horse capital of the world. I have Dr. Adam Kayot, been on the show with us before, uh, sitting with me. We're going to talk about um, something close to home for me. Uh, when you should retire your horse, I say never. Dr. Kayot probably doesn't agree with me. My horse is 34 and still going strong. Of course, he's in good hands. Uh, he is a patient of Peterson and Smith himself. Uh, I've had him with me for 26 years, and he still likes to go about five or six miles on the beach or the trail. Dr. Kayot, thoughts on when you should retire your horse? Well, it's a difficult situ- you know, it's a difficult subject, and it can be a you know a touchy subject depending on the owner um, because. Some people, you know, have a hard time of letting go, excuse me, letting go of, um, you know, their, their buddy, right? Then their friend and their companion and what they used to do and what they would do, you know, with the horse and that sort of thing. It's very individualized per horse. Um, you know, obviously you have a 34 year old that still goes five, six miles a day and, you know, and. And a lot of that has to do with, number one, just genetic makeup of the horse. Number two, how a, a 34-year-old a thirty-four-year-old horse is not the same across the board. Some 34-year-olds don't have as much miles on the tires as, you know, others. And that plays a certain role. And um, so, so those are things that you should think of. Um, I tend to when people ask me that question, is it time to retire my horse? I look at number one, what was the horse doing? You know, I had, I looked at a polo pony yesterday and polo pony was 18 and those guys have a tough life. That's a hard job. That's, that's a, that's a hard, stressful job on the, on the horse's legs. And, and there aren't many polo ponies that make it to 34 years old, you know, playing not any probably. And, and this, this particular one was 18 years old and, you know, had a, had a, had a bad suspensory in the front leg and a, 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 a torn superficial flexor tendon in, in the, in the back leg. And, you know, at that point you kind of say, okay, is this worth going on with the horse? And, and these owners are very responsible owners and they want to do what's best for the, you know, um, the, re- even though the, the, the pony was a, a good plain pony, um, you know, she decided that this is the time. And, and I agreed with her because 
when things start breaking, they just continue to break, that sort of thing. So that kind of comes into, into play, I think. I think if, if you're trying to perform with this animal and stuff continue, continues to go wrong, they're having injuries and, that are occurring more frequently, um, and, uh, doing what they have always done, then you need to, you need to seriously consider am I being fair, you know, and, and, and that can be a very difficult, you know, a difficult question to ask yourself because, you know, everybody can be a little selfish at some points and they want to, you know, they want to continue the good times and, and, and everything that they've had with their friends. So, um, it, it makes it hard, but when people come to me and ask those questions, I try to, um, take take as much as the whole picture into account as I can and say well let's see what's happening here what problems are we having are these problems reoccurring and are they reoccurring because this horse is not able to do his job anymore now a question for example I have another older horse who's 27 and he hasn't been ridden very much in the last year actually I texted you about him the other day um, and he's been getting down on the ground and having trouble getting back up and I think some of that may be due to loss of muscle tone in his rear end because he seems weaker in the rear end from not being ridden very much is it really important with an older horse especially if you're retiring it from sort of a major job where it's been ridden quite a lot which is obviously keeping its you know keeping it strong and fit is it important then if you do retire a horse from a sport to not just let that horse be turned out and go and is it important to keep up some form of exercise in order to keep that horse fit and keep some muscle tone to help it age and retire at least and, and still be healthy absolutely you know it's just like it's just like people you know um the fitness is is great for people and it's great for your equine athletes and 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 if you can maintain some level of of fitness, um, the the rest of their life, it does prolong their ability to um, live a full, healthy, happy life. If you can, if you can exercise, it's just like a, it's just like a person or an old man. If that if that older gentleman can go to the gym and still keep up some muscle tone, even though they might be in their sixties, seventies, eighties. That helps so much because then you don't have the problems of of them getting up when they lay down or a person getting out of bed and trying to dress themselves or, you know, a horse trying to be with his buddies around. They're less likely to to get injured they're they're they maintain their muscle tone and that and that's really difficult that's what we see in old horses as they deteriorate or as they age their body deteriorates their their digestive system becomes less efficient in converting calories to body mass they start losing muscle tone and and at some point it makes it very difficult to get that back or to reverse the course and and um you know if if you're continuing to lose muscle mass then typically they they become too heavy and they can't support their body they can't support the skeleton so depending on how much muscle mass you you lose but if you can keep them in some sort of activity not just walking around the field but some sort of activity even light riding or that sort of thing that helps and that helps prolong you know the the life of the animal and the useful life of the animal um it's uh they don't necessarily have to be doing high goal polo their whole life but if you just get out and 
and you know and um you know trot the horse around or get on and 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 do you know light trail riding or something like that all of that helps i know you know i know there are some some farms that that uh, thoroughbred farms that they have their stallions and even though the stallion is retired from racing they still take them out and they work them daily and you know it keeps that it keeps that muscle tone it keeps them in good shape and and it would do the same same to your horse so absolutely um they don't necessarily have to be doing big grand prix jumps or anything like that take it back a notch take it down a notch put it put their exercise level into a box that they can do comfortably and if you have the ability and time to do that that would certainly help them so even if turned out in the field just being able to jump on them a few times a week maybe and just keeping them going keeping them moving just like an older person the more you move the less likely you're to get stiff um, and I find my older horses do better turned out than in the stall they tend to get stocked up in the stall so I think being turned out is is often much better for older horses if possible if you can do that absolutely because um, it, it just keeps the elasticity in the muscle it keeps them you know it keeps the 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 they aren't just standing in one place using the same muscles over and over again while the while the other ones the activity muscles are getting neglected that sort of thing so if you're able to do that and they can be outside horses are meant to be outside that's what they're meant to be i mean that's that's the typical that's the best spot for them if, if they can be and so yeah Wonderful. I'm here with Dr. Adam Kayot at Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Peterson and Smith Equine Hospital and Complete Care, and Larson Hay, our broadcast and television sponsor, plus supporting sponsors. DAC Vitamins and Minerals, Seminole Feed Stores, All-In Removal, TT Distributors, and the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Louisville. This show is brought to you in part by Seminole Feed Stores, family-owned since 1934. Manufacturing fixed-formula horse feeds with mindful monitoring and quality ingredients right here in Ocala in an all-natural, non-medicated feed mill. Seminole Feed, simply the world's best and safest feed. Like them on Facebook now or find them at SeminoleFeed.com. Like jockey and horse, shavings delivery and manure removal are a natural combination. All in Removal offers a great way to save by combining delivery of quality pine shavings with manure container rental and removal services. All in Removal is proud to provide shavings to the Acala Thoroughbred Horse Racing Community. Great service and top quality at an affordable price is All in Removal's number one goal. Visit allinremoval.com within the next hour to learn more and save big. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. We're here with Eddie Esparza, EQDT, uh, and he is working on a rescue mini uh, of ours who's um, previously had some laminitis and some Cushing's. Um, he's 13. Minis are very predisposed, of course, to laminitis like ponies are, so um, he's doing really well right now. We have a great farrier, Jack Montgomery, who's working on his feet. Um, but uh, since I rescued him, he hasn't actually had his teeth done because my appointment with Eddie fell actually just right before we got him over here at the farm so um, 
Uh, Eddie said he does need doing. My other two older horses, who he did last year, are maintaining very well. So he, Eddie never treats anybody that doesn't need treating, which is one of the things that I've always known about him. He's very honest. He's not going to do someone's teeth, some a horse's teeth, if they're not if they don't need it. He's just going to tell you they don't need it. Um, call me next year. So uh, Mr. Mini did need his done, which makes sense since he hasn't had them done here with me. So Eddie did tranquilize him a little bit because minis are typically naughtier than horses uh, and can try to get away with things. So um, and Eddie's working on him now, and I'm going to let him tell you for him what he sees and um, if possible if we can get a shot with the phone up as to what he's looking at as well uh, Layla that would be great um, so Eddie Layla's coming over to put the phone all right uh, up here right, so, so the that things that I'm looking for um, the old horses uh, molars and teeth the old numbers and the old number like this they all go clockwise this will be the 100s 200s 300s 400s and the upper ones, 100s and 200s, we can see all the enamel points on the buckle side. Can you see right there? And also on the 300s and the 400s on the bottom arcade, right there. You can see all the ridges, sharp edges, some ulcers on the buckle side, and a little bit of hooks on the sixes, which is right there. Also the canines are very sharp. And he needs some work on the inside, but the speculum is on the front, so I will show you once I take that off. And he has a little bit of a hook on the back, on the 311. So I'm going to start with the smooth float, and get him used to the sound, make him feel comfortable, and I start working my way down. sedation obviously helps a lot with this part because it's um, quite noisy and horses are going to hear that noise and not kind of wonder what's going on so I gotta um, get him used to the sound and they get more comfortable now does he look to you like he's been done recently Eddie obviously not in the no. last couple of years no, no 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 for a while no okay so now I'm gonna use a little bit of power and you don't see any infection or anything no, in there everything at looks all. Good, just very sharp just very sharp okay so motors on the back And this should help him eating as well because horses drop a lot of feed when their teeth need doing. Not that he needs any help eating. He never seems to have any trouble with that. As you can see, looking at that. Um, but definitely make him much more comfortable uh, having his teeth done. Uh, when you see horses start to drop feed, some feed comes out of their mouth while they're eating. Sometimes that's a you know, sign to call a dentist. It can also be that some horses just eat in a hurry and they do drop feed, but um, uh, definitely something to get the dentist out to have a look when you start seeing that. This is a lot of waste to feed and you might almost see weight loss in the horse as well if it's not able to eat all of its grain. Sometimes it's the sharp points that make them not want to eat and they can rub on their cheeks and on each other. So. Yes, they're not processing the the grain or the forest properly yeah properly if they're in balance and everything is smooth they tend to uh, process the grain and the forage better than having sharp edges around it i don't know you want to see yeah do you want to get in close again the difference now just with a little bit of what i did now they're more straight and smooth on the bottom so 
same thing on the upper ones and I'm still working on this side I just did a little bit but you can see the difference on the sharpest of the 300s on the 300s so a mini's not really any easier to do than a big horse you've even got to get down on the ground right <laughs> yes actually they're <laughs> Yeah, a little bit more work than the big horse because everything's so small mm -hmm. and you have to work your way around everything and right now I'm just giving them a break because I don't like the horses that I'm working on to have them with the mouth open for so long because uh, one is just to give them a break and if they have their mouth open for too long I can pop the TNJ out of place I was going to ask you actually to show us that uh, next. A lot of the horses, well, some dentists, they don't just want to get them done and they don't give them a break and then at the end of the, the work is done, the TMJ goes off. They have their mouth open for so long. They're not like us, but the doctor tells us to relax. They just want to break the, break, <laughs> the gag. They're just like, ah, I want to close it. So you give them a break and you start over, they give you better results. That makes sense. All right. So this device you have on him is sort of like a halter and a, a harness, but also holds their mouth open, yes. right? Okay. Calls a speculum or a gag. Okay. Is that uncomfortable for them? No. No more than us at the dentist, no, no right? Else. Yeah, same thing, but that's what I, I said. I, I like to give them breaks in between so they realize that I'm not here to hurt them. I'm right. here to help them. I can see in Mr. Minnie's eyes, he's thinking about ways to escape. <laughs> he's thinking, how can I get out of this mess? <laughs> I can see it in his face right now. Uh -huh. He's lost so much of his coat, his winter coat, in the last few days. He goes under the mister system I have over there. He gets under the mister system, stands there pretty much all day, and then goes and rolls in the dirt. So every single day he's covered in mud. So is he missing any teeth? No. No. He looks very good, actually. He looks very healthy, just very sharp edges and uh, some muscles. But after this, he should be in a lot of better And shape. the sharp edges, were any of them rubbing on his gums? Yes. On the 100s and the 200s, which is the upper arcade, he has some ulcers along the buckle side mm -hmm. and both sides. But so you recommend an annual appointment for most horses? Him? Yes. Yes. All depends how much work they need to. And how old they are, how many teeth how they, they have are, left. And if they, need, they have like what we call waves, hooks, steps, that is just like going, us going to the a dentist. It has to be gradually, little by little. It's not like I can just show up and it has a big wave and I'm like, oh, I'm not make it all flat instead of me helping the horse it's gonna make it worse it has to be gradually give the horse some time to adjust to the new grinding the new chewing little by little so when they're that bad it's between every three to six months until you get to the balance for every year 
good. Um, now, as far as uh, if you have to do an extraction, is yeah. that something that he has to be like surgically under completely or can you do an extraction on a horse All just with sedative? It also depends how, well, there's a lot of things could happen in a horse mouth. It could be the one we call the blind molars. Mm -hmm. Now that one, it has to be removed by the surgeon because mm -hmm. they have to open the bottom arcade or just either it's going to be the upper one or the bottom one. They have to come open the bottom of the jaw of the horse and pull it from the outside to the inside. So that okay. has to be removed. That has to be a surgeon. surgeon yes. But if it's just a simple little infected tooth. It's a little cap and things like that. They just pull up by their own or that can just, that, that it could be filled, pulled by the dentist. Some some clients, they just try to have it, but they're running on their side. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So about how many horses do you do a day? Average? Or six, seven, eight? More? Uh, depends, depends. I don't like to do more than 10 in one place. Because yeah. after when I'm going to the 11th, I can push to the 15th, but it gets tired. It gets tiring. Yeah, I was going to say, it's quite a job. <laughs> yes, I don't have a lot of arm work. <laughs> <laughs> and right now, I'm using my hand float, and I always listen for the sound. Now that I did it, I want to hear the nice, and sound smooth that tells me that you accomplished what you came for everything, everything. you heard the sound it's like yep. playing a violin sounds good to me <laughs> and i don't know if you want to come and look yes. at the incisors so yes. you can see what i'm talking can about can you come over and get he's going to show you the incisors okay so we have the canines hold on we got this okay so we have the canines okay so mm -hmm. they're a little sharp and uh on 203 which is that one right there if i put an angle you can see the little hook right there already growing oh yeah so i have to balance that and same thing on this side so i'm just gonna show you <laughs> before and after and say cheese <laughs> mr mini <laughs> Now that Mr. Minnie is sedated for the first time, mm -hmm. he won't be naughty for the next couple of hours. If anybody wants Hi. to visit, <laughs> he's naughty all the time. He was chasing Sonny, the 35 year old, yesterday, so chasing him around the field, telling him who's boss. I've always noticed about you and I see comments on social media a lot is how patient you are with them so um, on the next horse we're going to do which is um, a Mustang who's never been done before uh, we're going to see Eddie's patience in full uh, <laughs> full action <laughs> Flynn is actually the famous Mustang uh, Debbie and um, uh, uh, George Bengachea Garcia, who have gentle carousel miniature therapy horses, have
have stories of Flynn on their page when I rescued him and stories of how he colicked and everything. So we'll have to send them this video of his first tooth cleaning um, so I that they like can... to see the difference now? Yes. Right, so now you can see the canines Sorry. are less sharp and I took that hook gone. Now the hook is gone. Now everything is more... Nice and smooth. Nice and smooth and balanced. Look at that. That's the grind. And and what it. did that you just did is to make sure they're to flat? To make sure everything is aligning. And, and pushing if I don't hurt that, that grind, that means that it's going to be There's sharp. Still sharp still pieces. There. But if I get that smooth slide, mm -hmm. that means everything's good. Okay. All right. So he got a smooth slide. Yeah. Mr. Mini. Look at that. First time you haven't been nice naughty grind. in your life. <laughs> yes, all done. Wonderful. Yes, this is Eddie Esparza, EQDT, working on Mr. Mini at the farm Mr. today. Mr. Mini did really good. Yes. You won't see anybody for a year. <laughs> now the fun one, Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. <laughs>
there's some loops and some on the statues of Florida by um, but who can sedate the horse with the consent of the owner? Who is allowed to sedate their own sedate horse, their own obviously. Horse. Right. And things like that. Like, for example, in this Mustang, uh, I'm going to have to pull some caps, some baby teeth. It's not going to hurt them. They're already coming off. They're, they're, they're all already loose. So all I got to do is just pull them a little quick and he'll be okay. Now, with the permission of the owner, she said I can do it, but some, you know, you have to check for the license of the of the, of the state. Was was every state is different, but for example, that would be two or six. Okay, there's one I'm just getting out right now. There's go the other way, Layla. There's two or six. Oh, hi. You can see how easy it came off, and it was already coming off by the by themselves and then again by the consent of the owner you can pull that I that was easy that. um now you didn't even have to sedate him right no no wow uh, that's amazing <laughs> those are the baby teeth because he's about to turn he's about two and a half three years old mm -hmm. and that's when all the baby teeth coming off. now would those be considered wolf teeth are they also no, called wolf teeth no baby teeth okay the permanents are underneath of those ones okay does he have wolf teeth? No. No, okay. Do all horses have wolf teeth? They all get them. They're very rare when they don't get them. Okay. And so his they, maybe didn't they, come they, yet? They, they, they may not come yet. Yes. Okay. But you don't think they were already extracted before? It doesn't look like it. Okay. Some horses... Because to my knowledge, he's never had his teeth no, done. So he have the teeth. check this out: the wild Mustang hasn't been sedated, but the mini had to be. <laughs> How do you like his curly moustache? So a year ago, he was wild. Unbelievable, right? <laughs> so are you extracting another one now? Yeah. Yeah. He has a fragment on uh, two or six. Okay. You can get closer if you want. I know. <laughs> now, this water on my back, it has a solution. Mm -hmm. It has chloracetine on it. When mm -hmm. I disinfect it to help the horse. One is to disinfect my tools as well, and also to help the horses. If I get a little cold, they have a little cold, it helps them to heal those a little. Cuts in there. So I'm, I'm really interested in, in how good he's being for you. Uh, Claudia tried to trim his foot on Sunday and he was quite a handful. So uh, obviously, I'm glad I'm on this end. <laughs> obviously, yeah, exactly. Obviously you're, uh, you're very good with horses. You seem to have a real patient way with them. I'm sure that's very important in this job. I can't believe the Mustang's not sedated. I'm pinching myself right now. This is the wild horse. <laughs> It's really fantastic. Good boy, Flynn. Eddie will like you. <laughs> so how long have you been doing equine dentistry? This will be... Ninth year. Nine years. Wow. Nine years. What's the most complicated Six. case you've had? Minis. Minis. Always minis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, minis. 
So now you're yeah, just filing. It's all about taking your time with the horse, really. No matter what, what we do, you can be sedated. If the horse is not willing to cooperate, I don't care how sedated it is, how well matters it is, you just gotta take your time. Yeah. They always he likes you. He's like an old dog with you. Look at him. <laughs> he knows he needs it. I fell in love with so this right moustache. Now and then again, with the same thing with the sample with the mini. I did a little bit. Take myself a break. Give him a break. Take him a break. And yeah. I don't realize that everything's going to be just fine. Talk to him a little bit. Talk pet him, him. Yeah. Pet him a little bit. Maybe you should do his feet then. <laughs> 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 Eddie's like, no, I'm not doing feet, just teeth, just teeth. Yeah, and he has a little moustache. I know, I fell in love with that moustache. I was like, that's so cute. He's famous for that moustache. He is. He's so sweet. Ah, he was easy with everything. He was easy with obstacles, easy with the trailer, easy with riding, easy with the saddle. He's just a good horse. He's got a, he's got a good way about him. Oh, buddy. Ooh, look at all that. So any concerns about like, um, you talked about this antiseptic and your tools. Do people need to be concerned about anything? Like I know recently there's been an EHV1 outbreak and, and all that, but you disinfect between every horse. I and do that in every single farm. Let's say if I have to cross the street and do different horses over there from here to there, before and after, I put sanitizer on my tools. Before I go to the place, I sanitize everything. everything. I always knock on wood. Yes. I always have to, I always be careful with that. That's good. I, I don't want to be the one who, you know, say, hey, he's the one spraying things from. I don't want that all in my hands. I got no. to take that extra time to get make sure everything is clean, sanitized before and after. That's very place good. To place. That's very good. I take that very serious. Yes. I have horses myself and I don't want. What do you have? Thoroughbreds. Do you? Of your own? Yes. Really? Well done. Are they in training for the sale? Yes, they are. Good. That's awesome. So now, and then I get that this question a lot um, because I, I graduated from the American School of Equine Dentistry. And before that, I went to another school, which I was at the HPPA in New York. And they asked me, why do I have so many floats? And yes, you can do most of the horse probably with two or three floats but i like to keep it simple if every single thing that is here it has a purpose on the horse's mouth it's not like i use all of them they're there they're all gonna be in the horse mouth doing their purpose it's not because they're there for me to carry them around Good horse. He's doing really good, buddy. I wish he did your feet this way, Flynn. And I will show you the difference in a minute with with the hand float. So this is the 45 angle float. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm. I'm gonna explain you about the tools in a minute. Okay. This is the 45 angle float. This one is only for the upper ones. 
for the 100s and the 200s to give that nice angle. Mm -hmm. And then we have the straight float. This one is only for the bottom market, which is 300s and 400s, but they go straight. And then I have a motor roller, <laughs> which is this one. This one is only for the big seats, which is only where the bit is going to sit. This mm. one is just around the front ones. And then I have the incisor ones. This one. This one is only for the front, for the incisors. So this is the horse's mouth. This is that way so small. Start file on the front. And then we have the thin one, and this one is only for the back one, for the lemons. That's what is so thin. The lemons. The lemons. They all go by numbers. So the eleven that would be three eleven, four eleven, one eleven, two eleven. So that's when it just to go around the very back. Wow, there's really that's, a plan in all of this. It's yes, amazing. That's why people are like, why you have every one of them has a purpose and the horses. And I'd rather to have them and maybe not use them. They needed them. And, and I, you don't have them, yeah. And I have them. That makes sense. Do most dentists or EQDTs have that many or do they tend to use the same one? Uh, you know, I haven't worked with that many. So, I mean, I've seen some, they only have. Hey, they are worse for them with only two floats. Yeah. Good for them, but I'd rather to have... To have it all, yeah. To have it all. To have the one that fits the job. Yes. <laughs> and apparently he's missing a few. They're his very sharp. Very sharp. Are they? I guess that would make sense on him never having had them done. So, and then within within a few months, maybe on him you will find one or two caps on the back end, and that's normal because he's going through that stage in his life where all the baby teeth are coming off. So, can you show us how you would do an adjustment on him? Uh, I can show you that a little quick. I can see if he has a little bit of TMJ, which he does. Yes. He does okay. He does have TMJ. He does have TMJ. Okay. But I just want to show you on him. Um, do you want to uh, get closer, Layla, and get this? On him, I don't know. Sorry. There you this go. This is an old injury from being in the wild. I don't know, but he definitely is missing uh, 201, 202. Mm -hmm. He only has those two left. But really? Yes. So they'll never be there? They're gone like his they're, second they're, teeth? Yeah, they're, they're definitely gone. Yeah, probably was a wild fight when he was a stallion. Yeah, um, so just for example, I was playing about the the speculum being on for too long, and I normally check that first thing. I check uh, the horse's mouth. Mm -hmm. For example, if I go on my left, he's right on the tempora mandibular joint mm -hmm. right here. If I put a little pressure, he reacts a little bit. My right, his left, right there. You can see the difference how it's going more severe to that side. So that tells me the jaw is misplaced and they're not in balance. So for that, I'm just gonna do a little joint manipulation. Okay. On the left side, we'll see what happens. All right, buddy. One, two, and three. There we go. A little that click. Pop. A little click, that was it. 
So now I check, make sure that uh, I got it on place. With a little joint manipulation, same thing right here, same spot. Now it's gone. See? Stop. <laughs> He's, like, He's like, yeah. Like, oh, don't do it that hard. Now we check the grind. And now you can hear it pretty good. Yeah. When I get closer, you can hear it really nice. Do you want to go a bit closer? He won't yeah. get hurt. Don't worry. He, uh, you can hear the grind. You heard that? Ah. And Thank you. All done. What about the back? Can you check for us as well? We like to sure. see how you do that. Sure, I can. Come a bit closer, Flynn. He looks sedated, doesn't he? Yeah. Just a little bit. He looks I sedated. <laughs> Probably just happy. Can, check can you see that okay, Leila? Uh, Gigi, you are you good? Do you need to be so I'm near? I'm going to put some pressure along the spine. Okay. And make sure if he does any flinches or any reaction, there's a lot of methods to check a horse. Now, this is joint manipulation. There's nothing to say. I'm a chiropractor. Every, like, again, every, every state is different. Um, and it looks pretty solid to me. Really? Yes. So I'm gonna go joint by joint and put in pressure and see if it reacts, if it gives me any signs of discomfort as long when I'm putting pressure on the spine. And also I always pay a lot of attention to the horse's uh, face mm -hmm. and then the way they react when I put pressure along the spine. Pretty good there. I'm gonna check for the shoulders. A little bit discomfort on the left side and the right side. So he's got discomfort in the side. Yeah, so that could be either the shoulder or the sternum right about there. So, okay, buddy, come on. Let's see. Yeah. Oh, there it went. I know you have a little... And that popped it? Yep. Really? Yeah, now watch. When I was putting pressure along here, between the cervical area and the shoulder, mm -hmm. right when I was going to the middle of the shoulder, mm -hmm. he wasn't liking it. Now I can put almost my whole fist. And you can see. Yeah. All right. All right. And other than that... And the other side doesn't need doing. No, this one, this one is just a little bit, but not, not as much on the right. See? And as misalignment goes, he's fine. All right. And so completed. So if he had anything with his back, you could have adjusted his back yes, if there yes, was any soreness. And if they, if they don't show me any, any reason. Any reason. Any reason. There's nothing. And the only one was on that side. On the right side shoulder. TMJ left. TMJ left. Okay. All right. Very good. Didn't even have to sedate him for any yeah, of that. Right. Wait until right. I tell the farrier. He's going to go, can that guy be here when I trim his feet? Sparza EQDT uh, demonstrating on Flynn the Mustang. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Palm Chevrolet, and our broadcast and television sponsor, Larson Hay. 
and also to our supporting sponsors, Equisafe, Nirvana Medical Spa, Showcase Properties of Central Florida, the Equine Performance and Innovative Center, and Summit Joint Performance. Nirvana, Ocala's premier medical spa, is leading the way in great skin with all the newest in treatment options, offering prejuvenation for younger clients and rejuvenation for all ages. Nirvana knows you want to look your very best, but we've all seen people with the telltale signs of too much work. We want you to look like you, just better, brighter and younger, with all the newest and best in technology and all in the most beautiful surroundings. Like Nirvana Medical Spa on Facebook and find them on the web at nirvanamedicalspa.com. Become a better, brighter and younger you. This hour of the Horse Talk Show is presented by Palm Chevrolet in Ocala, where the entire team is committed to making your experience in sales and services hassle-free and easier than ever, with no games or gimmicks. Come in and visit on Southwest College Road or online at palmchevrolet.com. A second-to-none experience with all the amenities. Palm Chevy, find new roads. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show here at the Gypsy Gold Farm Tour with Dennis Thompson and Erin Mahoney-Thompson. We've been talking a little bit about the wonderful experience you have when you come here uh, to do the most popular thing to do in Ocala. And uh, we're going to talk to you a little bit more about why. But we're going to start off with Erin. And Erin's going to tell us about a very special horse. Okay. Um, well, we were talking about the Gypsy King and his first offspring, which was Dolly. And Dolly was the first um, Gypsy Banner mare to step hooves on American soil. Um, she went on to have a horse called Velvet Doll. And Velvet went on to have uh, Gigi Kiss Me Kate, who is now the winningest mare in this breed's history. And this is her right here. A Gigi Kiss Me Kate is now um, owned by um, Rod and Gun Club out of Ardmore, Oklahoma. A wonderful couple there. And um, so anyway, Kate is four years old. Um, she was foaled here in this barn, uh, which is wonderful. And um, that, that combination of King William, who's a son of the Gypsy King, and Velvet Doll made Kiss Me Kate. And, uh, Not a color. You know, it is not a color breed. It is a body type, this breed. Some people say, you know, she's all black. And I'm like, yes, but uh, they can be all black, all brown, bay, gray and white, black and white, brown and white, many variations. Um, Dennis will say that any color that a shire is um, will some, yeah, core genetics. Um, so we're not breeding for color. We're breeding for body type. Uh, people ask, you know, what do you want when you breed? And Dennis always says, you breed the best of the best and hope for the best. <laughs> so I think that's, you know, you really are always looking at the body. And the temperament, of course, is key and health is essential. Um, so really, we just want healthy, beautiful um, Gypsy Vanner horses every time. So, uh, so anyway, uh, you'll see another baby at this exact same combination here on the farm. Um, but you'll meet both her mother and dad here on the farm. So you'll meet a lot of different uh, beautiful horses here, but they all are from Core Genetics, from the original 16 horses. So um, she, I think, is five generations DNA verified, but many horses have varying degrees of um, genetic heritage. Uh, so it's kind of fun to learn about. Once you start learning about the originals, um, they all have a history here, which is really fun. 
So. And then Mary, the one we met yes. today. Yes, uh, we have another baby here. We had one baby last year. Um, her name is Gigi Kiss Me Mary. And Mary is a daughter of Velvet Doll, of course, and King William. And Mary actually is, her. she was named after Tommy Draper because Tommy Draper raised, um, well, had the Gypsy King. Uh, he raised the Gypsy King, didn't he, Dennis? He did. No, he, the Gypsy King was born uh, on Millionaire's Row at Appleby Horse Fair. His mother and father were Irish, and uh, Tommy Draper bought him the day he was born and then picked him up six months later in Balnaslow, Ireland, another, another horse fair. And, uh, and then he had him on a, on a hidden sheep farm. Yeah, and uh, he remained there until I bought him. He'd never seen another stallion. He'd never seen a human on a horse. He, it, was, it was quite a shock for him to come to America. Of course, they're flown over. And, uh, well, it was, what was it, 60 days, I think, or 30, 30 days before the breed was introduced, he came here and, and uh, he was in front of 70,000 people 30 days later. And he'd never, you know, from a sheep farm. Yeah, no. It was it was pretty traumatic for him, really. You know, it was it was a real adjustment for him, but uh, he he became you know the consummate pro, eventually. And uh, but yeah, Mary was Tommy's wife, Tommy Draper. Tommy Draper's wife, and he named what they call a family mare, one that stays with the family forever. Uh, her name was Mary, and she was the mother of Dolly, and so she's the great grandmother of this little filly that we have. Um, yeah, great-great-great. No, great-great-great-grandmother. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dolly's the grandmother, and yeah, she's the great-grandmother. I think it's all great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but tell us about what great plans you have for the future. Well, uh, we wrote a mission and goals to achieve uh, that were part of the journey of the Gypsy Vannerhorse, and, and we live them, we've been living those for, matter of fact, let me recite, um, to bring honor, recognition, and a better understanding to one of the world's most colorful, least understood societies and the horses they so dearly love by respecting the spoken words of gypsies who have dedicated lifetimes in the pursuit of a dream to create the perfect horse to pull their caravan, to remain quality-based, culturally sensitive, and socially responsible, and then we added four straightforward goals. Establish a breed with the look they envisioned, with the genetics that created the look they envisioned, DNA verified whenever possible, with the feelings of status and pride that they only feel for their selectively bred horses preserved, and in direct parallel to the value they place on their selectively bred horses. So intimately understand what you stumbled on and don't change anything. That's, that's really, that's, uh, matter of fact, the day after we met the log, Cindy and I were on an eight-hour flight from London to New York. I was 46, she was 42. We had 700 animals at home. And I said to her on that plane, did we just discover a breed of horse? You and me. We weren't sure about that, but maybe. But we knew a couple things on that plane, and she knew profoundly that we should walk towards this or away from it, that it would change our life forever. And we both knew that if we walked towards it, we're walking into a culture that's been treated poorly for a long time. We didn't know how long then, but we do now. It's been over a thousand years. 
And we didn't want anything to do with that. We certainly didn't want to take anything that meant so much to them and allow it to do anything other than lift them up, and hence the, the mission and goals. So I'm 71 years old in January, and uh, I tell people next January I'll be 91. <laughs> and so there comes a point where you have to start thinking about, you know, uh, forever, and uh, it might not include you. So I'm going to turn this farm, or we want to turn this farm, into a permanent education and cultural center uh, with a lot of unique ideas that all are designed to achieve the mission and the goals of, uh, that were born 25 years ago. So uh, we have uh, what's called a Viking trail here, we're going to have. Uh, when you walk a Viking trail, you must leave one prejudice behind and take at least one new idea with you. We'll have talking birdhouses where you can sit and get ideas from famous people. We'll have an evolution and keepsake photos uh, with animals called wisdom walkers on the Viking trail, which would be donkeys and llamas and, and goats and gypsy vanner horses named after human virtues. Children will ride them and docents will teach the child the animal's name. And when they get to the end of the trail, they'll get a keepsake photo sent to them digitally that says, I know empathy, I know compassion, I know kindness, I know curiosity, I know trust, I know honor, with the definition of the word inset into the picture. We'll have a sanctuary here for parrots called 40 Parrots in a Porsche. Yeah. We'll have a museum. We'll have a retirement center called Vanner Manor for old gypsy Vanner horses. We'll have a think tank called Anapal. The word pal is Romany, and it means brother, friend, or companion. Uh, and we believe, uh, well, it's, this Anapal is a think tank designed to cure domestic and wild animal problems. We'll have a resource center for children called The Gift. And it is the concept is to uh, give children grants and scholarships that love animals or job opportunities in the animal products industry. I'm basically trying to create, you know, I, I have a high school diploma. And, but, the, you know, the, the, man, the store owned by the man that invented kitty litter asked me to work for him. It was my passion. So, I'm, you know, I want children to get a, a college diploma, but I want them to be able to find uh, a job in, the, uh, in an industry that, you know, lives in their heart, you know. So um, pass it on, you know, kind of thing, basically, and achieve this. Basically, what we're trying to do is create an oasis of goodness with the name Gypsy connected to it. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's um, a dream come true, and uh, what a wonderful place to be, and the goals uh, for the future, just incredible. Here with Dennis Thompson and his wife, Erin Mahoney Thompson, at the Gypsy Gold Farm Tour. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. Just listed a beautiful farm with all amenities for a perfect hunter-jumper facility in Ocala Downs. Close to everything, just minutes to the World Equestrian Center. Email or call Louisa for more information at Showcase Properties, Central Florida now. Thank you to our presenting sponsor, Palm Chevrolet, 
and our broadcast and television sponsor, Larson Hay, and also to our supporting sponsors, Equisafe, Nirvana Medical Spa, Showcase Properties of Central Florida, the Equine Performance and Innovative Center, and Summit Joint Performance. World-class equine rehab promoting faster recovery is available at the Equine Performance Center Ocala. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy and underwater treadmill, a saltwater spa, an aquapacer, magna wave, a vibration plate, swimming pool, massage and laser therapies. With post-surgical care, memberships, packages and BOGOs, EPC delivers a rejuvenated horse through proven and innovative rehab. Like Equine Performance Center now on Facebook and find them on the web at epcrehab.com. This show was brought to you in part by TT Distributors, dedicated to bringing their customers the largest selection of quality horse supplements, products, and farrier supplies in Florida at affordable prices. Also online at ttdistributors.com. Hi, this is Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. We're listening to the Horse Talk Show. I'm Louisa Barton with the Horse Talk Show here at Copperline Farm in Citra, just outside of Ocala, the horse capital of the world. Got a couple of legends here with us. Uh, Tick uh, Maynard, of course, well known in eventing, uh, has accomplished a great deal, as well as an author of In the Middle are the horsemen an absolutely incredible book actually a journey through his life uh, trials and tribulations ups and downs absolutely wonderful book for anybody a uh, horse person or not and um, Sinead of course has had an incredible eventing career um, a medalist uh, a great deal of accomplishments a second at Burley uh, huge things in her career I'm gonna actually pass it over to Sinead first and let her tell us a little bit about what she's accomplished tell us a little bit about your career and some of the real um, obviously there's a lot it's a big list um, but the ones that affected you the most the big ones that you were really really in your heart to accomplish um, for sure well I had a really wonderful horse he's retired now named Manoir de Carneville um, and I had a, a great kind of 10 year run with him and I would say the first big standout was my first Rolex Kentucky um, and it was my first attempt at the level and so you're, it's, you just really have no idea I mean I knew it was an awesome horse but um, it was a, a surreal weekend and we ended up finishing top place American and, and third place behind Mary King had a one-two um, so that was amazing and I, I got to compete at Kentucky three or four more times and, and you, I think every time in the top ten with that horse um, and also uh, was fortunate enough to be first alternate for the London Olympics which I it, it's so close <laughs> it's so far away but that year uh, Team USA um, sent all the riders and the alternates to London for the summer. So it was a really awesome time. Um, it was a lot of team camaraderie. We were there for three months. Um, and I unfortunately uh, had to fly home the week of our of our competition in the Olympics because I stayed on to compete at um, Burley that fall. But it was just a really awesome time to um, be in England when all that's going on, not only for your own sport, but you're following every other sport and it's just happening, you know, right where you are. So that was amazing. Um, and, and actually riding for the country in Normandy in 2014 for the world, um, the world championships was pretty awesome. So that we went to Chantilly and we were there training for three weeks and, um, and then got to go to the WEG. So that was amazing. So those, those competitions, um, really would be the highlights of what I've gotten to do so far. When you were growing up and you started to get into eventing and love it, did you ever imagine you'd end up at the absolute top like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't wasn't in it for the beer. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've always, I've never kind of, um, I've never questioned what I wanted to do. I mean, I certainly was always hopeful that I'd get to that level. That was always my drive and my goal and, um, and positioned myself around people that had accomplished that. I um, got to go beat my parents. Again, were really like yes people. And so I started my working student career at 15 and went to Virginia and worked for a Canadian Olympian and then moved over to David and Karen. And then I went to Europe and worked, you know, we didn't have a lot of um, finances, but that was fine. You know, we, it, you actually learn a lot more in the barn working under these people and you learn about their farriers and their vets and their programs and their fitness and their nutritional programs which you know for us here at Copperline we really do try and have a, a very well-rounded program um so I uh yeah I just oh I, you know it's kind of it, you're you surround yourself with those people and and align your goals and that was definitely something I had always hoped for and since you, you're talking about aligning yourself with people, you mentioned David and Karen. Um, tell us about your mentors and people that you followed um, throughout your career that you've learned a lot from. You can say tick if you want. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, again, I feel really fortunate that I ended up um, moving to Middleburg, Virginia, and that is just like a real hub, just like Ocala is now, Middleburg, Unionville, Ocala, all have a, a, a very strong network of um, high performers. And and so when I got introduced to David and Karen O'Connor, I was like, oh, my God, you know, David was fresh off his gold medal win. And it was just they were so inspiring. And they were um, people that introduced both Tick and I really to a lot of the horsemanship that, um, you know, when I first got there, Pat Pirelli was there. And it was kind of this new kind of thing that was a different way for me to look at horses and look at high performance sports. So that was very inspiring um, to see that you could have all of it there, that, you know, you could you could go and win gold medals and be in team competitions and and really genuinely at the top of your priority have the welfare of the horse and the relationship. Um, and then I went to England and worked for William Fox Pitt. And that was an amazing experience because actually he would, he at the time wasn't teaching that much. Like I think I got like two lessons from him, but I just rode with him all the time. And he's such a natural horseman. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And then in the thread between all of the people that I've gotten, there's great people like, like, William and his wife Alice are just like salt of the earth, like wonderful people. And David and Karen are the same. Um, and since then, moving here, I've worked a lot with Leslie Law. And and Tick is, I mean, even though he's sitting here, I'll say this, he is incredibly inspiring. I mean, I think we work a lot together and we come at things from a different angle a lot of the times, but it all meets at the same place. And so I think we're both students of the horse. And so it's fun to kind of, kind of, I'll be thinking about something and I'll just talk his ear off for a second about something I just learned. And, you know, every day I'm like how have I ridden before I knew this <laughs> you know and um, so yeah I think it's it's there's a lot of people that have inspired me you know it's funny that you said that what you said about you know we didn't really have that you know when we were growing up you were just supposed to get on the horse and make it do what it was supposed to do and if it was a naughty pony or a naughty horse you just had to try and get yeah. through it and yeah. and and win yeah. um, but we really didn't have access to you know those methods or even those ideas that you needed to think like a horse or understand yeah. the horse and get the horse to trust you and work you just kind of had to get on and do it and yeah. don't you think that's made such a huge difference to horse sport all around 
Absolutely. Well, it gives you so much more knowledge and knowledge is power. And when you can get yourself educated on the whys of things, then you're less emotional about it and more thoughtful. And, and in that way, a horse can learn to trust you a whole lot more because you're consistent. You're not reactive, you know, and that's what horses really want is they want predictability. They want comfort. They want, you know, you to be that person for them. And if you're emotionally reactive because you're not sure why they're doing things, um, it, it puts that relationship in a pretty vulnerable place. And yeah, I mean, a lot of times you can get it done, but you know, I think at that level to be, to be great, you've got to have both sides of it. You know, you have to have the relationship and, and the technique and, and the tools, you know, to be able to get it all done. That's true. Now for people who you, you of course had some of the best of the best that you were fortunate enough as you said you kind of worked your way up you did all the the work even if you didn't necessarily do all the lessons you got to emulate them and watch them and be around them what is a really good tip for up-and-coming eventers who want to do well maybe they don't have access to those people what's one little bit of advice you might give them well, I think now, I mean, honestly, with the online content is huge. And that wasn't around when I was, you know, young. And I mean, now you could, there's virtual training, everything. I mean, I'm sitting at home watching Noel Floyd. And I mean, my, my new inspirational person is Ian Miller. I mean, I'm just like, Tick, and did you know he did this and he does this and this thing? And I'm, and I'm out there trying all these things on my horses. So I think there's a lot of access to knowledge on online, a lot of content. Um, and I think most horse people, um, and in a barn, like if you just, I, I you know, I think if you can get yourself around people that you emulate, however you can do that, whether it's for two weeks, you spend two weeks and you go work for someone for two weeks, or you just, you know, tick, he's wrote about it in his book, kind of went and hung out at Barnes until they like, you know, he's obviously good at stalking. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, until they had to hire him, <laughs> you know, like, but I think a good attitude and, um, you know, good out attitude and being willing to help anyone at any time. I think there's, that just goes ways and, you know, spades. It's incredible. Here at Copperline Farm uh, with Sinead and uh, and Tick, he's a good stalker. Apparently he's, apparently he's stalked the right lady for long enough, got her to agree. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, and here they are at Copperline Farm in Citra, Florida, beautiful place to be. Our next segment will be with Tick and he's going to tell us about his accomplishments and a little bit about his mentors. I'm Louisa Barton for the Horse Talk Show. listed a beautiful farm with all amenities for a perfect hunter jumper facility in Ocala Downs. Close to everything, just minutes to the World Equestrian Center. Email or call Louisa for more information at Showcase Properties, Central Florida now.